Welcome back, everyone. I hope things have been going well for you. I got some exciting news I'd like to share first before we get this episode started. Uh, I've launched my website, uh, heathbaronline.com. That's a one-stop shop for everything that I have going on right now. Uh, and it includes uh, my music shows I got coming up solo and with my band, The Ruthless West. Everything going on here with the podcast as far as the episodes, the descriptions, and how to get in touch and more information with all of those uh, guests that we've had on the show, as well as uh, information on what's coming up. And a, a place to throw in some comments and suggestions and what you'd like to see happen in the future. Uh, so we can get a little give and take there going. Uh, and then I got a blog up there as well, just some thoughts and random things that pop through my head, uh, ranging from a bunch of different categories, but I thought I'd put them all in one place so everyone can kind of see what's going on inside this, this crazy bearded brain of mine. Um, but anyway, I want to uh, share that with you guys, heathbaronline.com. Uh, you go ahead and check it out now and go ahead and peruse through the different pages and see what all is going on there. Uh, the guest this week is one of my dear friends, Max Hay. Uh, most of the people around the Black Hills area have uh, known him for quite some time. Uh, he's traveled through, played music, and hung out and spent a lot of time up here just really getting to know a bunch of us and us getting to know him as well. Uh, I think I met him, it would have been four or five years ago, if I'm remembering correctly, um, just randomly through, through music, uh, going to shows and seeing him. And we developed a really good friendship. Uh, he's one of the guys that really got me started in playing music as far as giving me advice as far as career rise and how to go about the whole fun of asking for money and what to charge and that, which is always kind of the hardest part about playing because when you like music, you just kind of want to play. Um, but that all is a part of it if you're trying to make a career at it and give it a good solid go. So Max was very influential in that. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. I was really glad that he came by and stopped and we chatted and got to share this conversation with you as far as his story, what he's been doing, and uh, what he has coming up in the future, I guess. So give it a listen. hope you guys enjoy it. Um, once again, uh, go check out heathbaronline.com for more information coming out of here. So without further ado, Max Hay. Welcome to the Heath Bar, where the conversations are always on tap. Yeah, dude. So you're here, back in the great state of South Dakota. God, I love it here. Enjoying the uh, the Black Hills. When I first met you, I thought you lived here. I think that was one of those summers you spent like a long time here. Yeah, I wintered here. Yeah, that's right. Two or three times. I find touring in the Midwest is a real pain in the winter if you don't have a regular place. No, so not wintered, at all. Wintered at the Travel Lodge. I think three years. Okay, I spent, and the owner knew that I was coming, so she she gave me two thousand seven prices. Ooh, clear up until a couple years ago. Nice, and would always save my extra large room in the back. Oh, that's kind of her. Yeah, it was cool. She must have liked you then. Yeah. Also, there was only like three people in the whole hotel, <laughs> and two of them were working there. Like I just need someone to stay here, please. <laughs> I need a viable business model. 
Yeah, that was a good time. Mm. Yeah, I thought you lived here because everybody knew you, and I saw you around quite a lot. So I just, I just assumed, mm-hmm. oh, Max is from Spearfish, you know. And I think it wasn't until I think the following year, or maybe it was later that first year, that I realized, oh no, he's, he's he travels like he's from Billings, right? Uh, Helena. Helena. I always get those two confused. So much so that I caused my daughter to get a wrong answer on a test. Oh. Because they needed to know the capital of Montana. So Uh. I said, Billings. (laughs) And she came home. She was so mad at me. It was the only one she got wrong. But I told her, I said, hey, you'll never forget it now. (laughs) Whoops. That's a way to spin it. Oh, man. Things you do when you're a parent, man. You figure out a way to... Make everything work. But she still won't let me live it down. Um, so you're from Helena, and you spent quite a long time traveling. Yeah, yeah. Since I uh, since I sold my house in Iowa and moved into my car, it's been almost 11 years now. Jeez. Yeah, and about two years ago... I started renting an apartment in mm-hmm. in Helena again. That okay. was the first time I'd paid rent. Right. I remember I remember when you started that, because you told me it was the first time you'd paid rent in like almost a decade. Yeah. Or something like that. Jeez. And uh, and you went everywhere. Like from, from the... Did you have like a, a loop or a circuit that you did all the time, or was it um, well, uh, just random? In Within the United States, I found that I had a good following in Iowa and Montana, and so my first tour was Iowa to Montana, and Spearfish was halfway. Okay. So I booked Sturgis Motorcycle Rally at uh, Joe's Field of Dreams Campground, and I'd played, I'd played Crow Peak Brewing Company when they were, like, the first year they were open. Yeah. I played out on their on their truck. The little tiny, uh, when they had the just the first building, Yeah, right? just that okay. little first building, and Jeff was just doing pints and growlers. Yeah. Happy to do pints and growlers and uh and that was great. And so then the next the next time through was when I was living in my car. Yeah. And I, I came out and played Montana and then I came back to Spearfish and I had no no more gigs after that. And I had about two hundred dollars. <sighs> and I told Joanne, the owner of Joe's Field of Dreams campground, I was like, I don't know where I'm going. She said, Well, just stay here. And she was having some health troubles at the time, so I, I stayed in her little sun porch, on this little bed that was like for a little girl. It had a <laughs> Dora the Explorer quilt, <laughs> and at the time I had really long hair, like halfway down my back. Someone got a photo of this, I hope. And right? so I started sleeping out there, and and you know I'd roll in after after playing at Flanagan's or something. That's when I really kind of sunk my teeth into Spearfish, okay, and got to know Flanagan's and Horses to Harley's, and yeah. Oh, and the Z bar and these other places that you could Just you could play guitar. Back. Yeah. And then I'd sleep in till 10 or 11 in the morning and all the campers would get up and the little room where I was sleeping was also where the coffee and donuts was. Oh wow. And so I'd I'd hear them. I'd pull the the little door of the Explorer quilt up over my head and and uh, try to sleep through it I and I'd hear them. I'd hear all these campers going, "Well, I hope we didn't wake that little girl." Oh. <laughs> Everyone was being quiet because they thought I was a little girl. Oh, man. 
somewhere. So it must have been. Was, was it like a toddler sized bed? Like obviously a little, a little, a little twin bed, a okay. white white wrought iron. Oh my thing goodness! It was definitely a little girl's bed. And you just crashed there. Yeah, yeah, for about a month. And the whole time you're like, I don't need to go get new sheets. I'll just crank these out and use them. <laughs> nice and nice and pink and yeah. Oh my goodness! And uh, yeah, and Joe was uh, just busy with the campground, plus going to Rapid for to the hospital. And uh, so I'd make big batches of soup and stuff, and we'd feed off that for a little while. Man, I'd try to help out around the campground, but she sure. pretty much has it handled. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And then her, she had these two really boutiquey cats, one of which loved me, and the other of which would pee on my shoes almost every night. <laughs> See, I wasn't going to tell you this, but there was always this distinct smell that follows you everywhere yeah, you went. But no, I'm just kidding. Cat pee. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was good, yeah. And this was what year? What that year would have been 2008, I think. 2008. That's when I was crashing at the campground. Okay. That was probably a couple years before I met you. Okay. Because um, I don't think I met you till 10 or 11. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, in ten I was spending a lot of time around here too. That's when I was playing with Brock Finn's band, the Country Hippies. Oh yeah! And by that time, Guth and I had a duo show. Yep, and that's where I think that's where I first saw you play was with Guth, and I and I hadn't really known Guth that well either. Uh, so I just I think that's part of why I assumed you lived here was because he played, he lived here. I knew he was around here. And you, I saw several shows of you guys together. I'm like, oh, they're just a duo that plays around here. But yeah, um, just that's kinda... how I met Vern too. Yeah, the piano player yeah. who I understand is going to be up here on Sunday. Really? Yeah, Ooh. he's he and Guth are playing in a group. I did not know having this. a rehearsal. So yeah, it'll be a bit of a reunion on Sunday. Did not know this, man. It's a good it's a good summer for reunions. It's Nice and hot. We're getting hailstorms all over the place. Might as well get together. Yeah, why not? Get a bunch <laughs> of vehicles in here. Let's get some insurance money rolling. Yeah. Um, when did you start playing? Like, how long ago was it when you first picked up a guitar and said, "Hey, I'm gonna"? Well, I'm I was learn a, this thing in high school. I was a drummer, almost exclusively. Although I was also taking a little bit of guitar lessons. Okay. But I never performed as a guitar player till I moved to Missoula in 2000 and started playing open mics gotcha okay and then put so together a little reggae ago. band and i was the singer and and guitar player reggae yeah played some keyboards in that i band don't know too. if i've heard any max hey reggae although that's oh, a it's, it's a great name for an album it's out there we <laughs> started our band was called it started as a duo with me and my buddy ruben and we called ourselves the two fucking guys <laughs> f-u-g-g right of course i n and you can then, print that on a poster. And then we added uh, the guitar player from my high school band, Cy Kohi, and he was playing bass in that band, and so then okay. we called ourselves the Three Fuggin' Guys, oh and nobody would book us, because they didn't want to put that on their Oh, marquee. no, really? We had one bar that would book us, but other places were like, oh, we don't really want to put that up. That's a weird name. <laughs> and so when we expanded and had a like a six-piece reggae band with... Two guitars, bass, drums, keyboard, baritone sax. Just a giant jam session for like yeah, three we, hours? And we called ourselves Shot in the Foot because we had shot ourselves in the foot with that original name. Mm. 
And we got we got more gigs as shot in the foot. Yeah, people still remember shot in the foot. There's a few people in Missoula that that still remember. Wow. And it was just just straight reggae. Was it? I was kind of. Let's see. We did a few original music, few original songs. We did some covers of uh, the Pie Tasters and the Slackers. Some of my favorite ska reggae bands from the '90s. See, I'm not familiar with those. I got into ska rather late, um, and. I didn't stick with it very long, <laughs> so there's a few I know, but I'm not familiar with those specific ones. They were big, huh? Well, we'll have to have a listening party. We sometime. might have to do yeah. that. Scott party with Max A. Yeah. I mean, were, who wouldn't want to be invited to that? I mean, come on. That's, <laughs> that's. I mean, the president's coming to that kind of a party, man. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be huge. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Yeah, I always miss you when you leave. It's just not the same. Like, Spearfish feels like a little bit um, lacking some of its soul. Boy, so. I always get excited when I see all the stuff you and Guth are doing. And that Songwriters Festival in Deadwood seems yeah. like we've really hit a That was uh, our first year gold mine with doing that, that all-day thing. Um, and the weather was really, really crappy. So... We had a we had a good turnout. I mean, it was solid people throughout the day, but not near what we were hoping. And you'd done it you the know. year before too, on a smaller scale, right? Yeah, we'd uh, so we'd done it. We do every Thursdays there. It's just a songwriter showcase. Um, but this year was the first year we did like an all day festival, and then that um, that Wild West festival that they do, where they bring in a bunch of the Nashville artists too. And that last year was our first year really spearheading the local side of that and that went awesome it was we you know we picked about 24 26 local artists um but uh that was the first year they had standing room only for the local rounds wow what are the audiences like is it mostly out of town people checking it out or um there's a lot of tourists um most of it's around the area though people that uh have slowly started to figure out what it is and um have just spread by word of mouth as hey you know these are you know bringing in um, the people that write the songs that you're going to hear you know on the radio a lot of them are that's great Um, and then there's uh, but the cool thing about it is too is then they all find out about all these local artists that they're unaware of entirely Mm -hmm. Um, so most of it I think is all from around here in the Black Hills and surrounding areas Um, and then just people that happen to be visiting during that time so it's cool man it's really cool yeah it's pretty special to hear the song that you know from the radio played in its stripped down version without all the production and the it's a background vocals and and drums and everything yeah hear a guitar and the voice it makes you feel like uh i don't know i mean at least for me it was like oh man because i'll play a song that i write and like man it sounds really crappy you know but then i hear some of them and some of them aren't singers and it's they're, they'll tell you that I'm not a singer mm-hmm. I, I write and so, but they perform it and you can tell right away they're not a singer but it makes you feel good you're like oh okay yeah good. you don't have you know, to be the artist yeah, you can right. just be the writer so I'm just gonna put a song together and see what happens with it um, which would be I think really cool um, I think there was anything that was gonna happen like for me would be something like that where Hey, I wrote a song. So and so is playing it. 
because I'm a I'm a father too. I'm not I'm not going on tour anytime soon. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of in the area, but yeah. So when you started deciding, hey, I'm going to play music for a living. Grab one of these IPAs Do if you don't mind. The all day IPA, man. They are. Uh, they've been my go-to beer for quite a while now. I like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Founders Brewing Company. They do a good job. They can't make. They can't make something bad. I've tried multiple beers from them, and I like every single one. I tried this one the other day. It was called Green Zebra. It's like a. It's not a real thing. Watermelon. Sea salt. Mm. It's really good. I liked like it. A goza. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I've been right. into the gozas lately yeah, too. Yeah, it was really good. Um, I uh, I find myself as I get, I don't know if just because I hit craft beer hard a few years back, but lately like the lighter beers, so where I'm leaning towards now. Hmm. I I don't know why. Maybe I'm just getting old and slowing down. And well, summertime. In the summertime, I like pale ales and lagers and saisons and gozas. Yeah. In the winter, that's when I go for the stouts. The dark, dark nut stuff. browns and things. When I hang out with Guth a lot, so if you're doing that, it's it's Bud Heavies and... That's right. Um, he, I, he, uh, he's not a fan of the Dale's Pale Ale. Oh, really? Has he told you this story? I find that one very simple and drinkable. <laughs> Me too, but we were, uh, we were at Red Rocks. We were going to see um, Sergio Simpson. And I forget who he was... This is when he was still opening. He wasn't doing his own thing. He was opening for... Uh, God, was it the Avid Brothers? I think it was. And I brought a 12-pack of Dale's Pale Ale. And Guth hit those pretty hard. And he said, <laughs> I, he, said he had the worst hangover he's ever had in his life. His head hurt so bad. <laughs> and he won't touch it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm really sorry. Huh. But it's really funny. It's so he's time. usually stocked with Pedialyte. <laughs> you just chuck yeah, that's, it. That's his hangover cure. Oh. Pedialyte. See, it he works. Keeps, he Man, keeps those great. a secret. Pedialyte and Dora the Explorer bed sheets. I feel like <laughs> I feel like there's something there that we're missing. There's a connection. But, yeah, anyway. Um, so what was it that made you decide you wanted to travel and play? Was it just a well? It was series uh, of things, or a, a combination of things. Uh, the The main thing was I was when I was living in Iowa. I was the tour manager and sound guy for a country band. That I got, I got that job out of Nashville, and I understand that the only qualification I really had was I was the only applicant with a Nashville address. Oh, and the the lead singer of this band said everybody else was from New York and L.A. And he, he's a country guy, so he had no respect for New York or L.A. Wow. And so that's... he saw that I was from Nashville. He he flew down there, and he listened to me mix one show at this little barbecue joint that was just guitar and vocals and said, all right, you can do it. And then we went out and, and partied and and got all tore up. And uh, after about six beers, he offered the job to me and shook my hand and said, be in Iowa by June 15th. And so I, uh, what? I packed up my apartment <laughs> and, and moved to Iowa. Jeez! And uh, and then I I toured with that band. Uh, they were called Kendall Meyer and Common Ground for about three years. 
and I learned learned how to how to book the band on the road, how to handle all the logistics of of a tour, mm-hmm. and uh, and got used to that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And and then at one point, the his business wasn't doing so hot, and we had a bit of a falling out. And uh, and so I said, well, instead of paying me tonight after a particularly bad night, uh, we were I think we got rained out, and we were playing for the door at this festival. And uh, I told him, hey, instead of paying me my, my wage this week, how about you give me those two powered speakers and an SM57 microphone? He had a couple extra speakers that had been kicking around the back of the trailer since oh, I had worked there, and we never used them, yeah. Okay. And he thought that was a great deal. He didn't have to lay out any cash for me that week. Yeah. And then I had a PA system. That's brilliant. And then I started started playing my own shows around Charles City, Iowa, and then the uh, the other catalyst, which is usually a catalyst in my life, was the girl I was with. Uh, she and I broke up, and then I was thinking, well, what am I going to do here? I don't don't work for that band anymore, and now I don't have a a reason to stay in Charles City. Yeah. So uh, I sold my house and moved into my car. That's how it happened. And the rest is history. Yeah. Wow, man. <laughs> um, not not what I would have pictured. And that, those first three years, I kept impeccable books too. I was, I kept track of every penny I spent yeah. and every penny I made. First year, uh, after a year of of doing music on the road, I lost about a thousand dollars that year, okay. and uh, made up for the rest on my credit card. And I was, you know, I was sleeping in the back of the Subaru, staying in campgrounds. I traveled with a tent. Mm-hmm. If I had a week with no gigs, I'd just go up on national forest land and bring a sack of potatoes and a package of hot dogs and, <laughs> and survive somehow. I'm going to make a soup. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to sit here and live cheap Ooh. in the woods for a little while. Pota- you can last quite a, quite a while on potatoes, though, man. Yeah, it's true. It still sticks with You'll you. stay alive. Yeah. You won't die. Yeah. So I was doing that. I was squatting in the woods. Max's diet gigs. plan. You won't die. I see a book coming. And then the, the second year, I broke even. And the third year... I made a thousand dollars. Wow! And that third year was when I thought, okay, now I think I got something. Yeah. And then I knew from looking at those books how much I needed to charge to make to make ends meet, mm-hmm. and how many gigs I needed to play each week to to stay in gas. And uh, and then I just kept doing it. And then, yeah, and I started making a little bit of money uh, enough to to afford to stay in a hotel for the winter. Nice. At the travel lodge in Spearfish for yeah. <laughs> in the was, one room, I think it was four hundred bucks for the month. Jeez! And you'd, I'd get uh, all the waffles I wanted in the morning. Oh man! Free coffee and uh, yeah, heat. That's the dream. Internet right there. Yeah, it was perfect. No hot dogs, no potatoes, unless you wanted them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't by default. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. That's crazy, man. So it was about three years, though. Do you think that's a... Because like, I'm sure you've met a lot of musicians during this time. Do you feel like that's a like a standard time frame? Like, hey, you got to stick with it? or You know, in that time frame, I don't think I met anybody else that was doing it. Really? That was doing it full-time living these? on the road. That would have been about 2007 to 2010. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I finally got my house sold in 2008, but started 
started traveling 2007. Jeez. And, uh... I didn't really know anyone you were traveling to. I didn't meet anybody kind of... else, yeah. I did... Also, 2008, I did a, a little tour of Australia. I got hooked up with this booking agent on uh-huh. MySpace. Wow. And uh, her husband's band was a blues band, and we started talking about logistics and things and figured out, oh, okay, if I can swing a plane ticket then maybe I'd make it back and be able to live for free in Australia. And so I went over there and toured with her husband's blues band. Is that Phil and Trudy, or is that a Uh, separate... No, that was was Dan Granero. Okay. And I think the band was called the Dan Granero Band. Gotcha. So we did did about a month in Australia with with Dan and his band, and I met Phil and Trudy at one of their gigs. Gotcha. Okay. I dig them. Yeah. Cool people. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've talked to a few people that none of none of the stories that I've heard of musicians that are out on the road are quite like that one. <laughs> Usually it's they just decided to do it, you know, and they've got somewhere back home to go to. Mm-hmm. None of it's, hey, I uh, sold everything and I'm in my van now and I have hot dogs and potatoes. I was in a Subaru. Oh, a Subaru. This Subaru is Legacy. the van. Yeah. Oh, no. I didn't get the van till till 2010 after I got that China gig. Oh, man. Went over to China That's and came right. home with a good chunk of money. Yeah. And spent that on a, a Mesa amplifier and a, a Chevy van. <laughs> and then I was living large. Oh, man. This is, this is luxury, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, right here. <laughs> It hit the the back of the van probably had a bed. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. You yeah. could sleep in the bed. I tore the seats out and built a bed for it. Yeah. The um. The, did you find it? Because a lot of people have found this that so they prefer, like when they're on when they're traveling and playing, people are like hey you can come crash on my couch. They almost prefer to sleep in their van because oh, I always it's prefer the van. More yeah. comfortable. It's just a, it's home. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, you're, ah. you're in somebody's house. You you're afraid to. Oh, what if I'm hungry or want to use the bathroom? You're afraid right. of waking people up, or yeah. what if I? Yeah. What if I'm not uh, adhering to their their house customs? You always feel like you're intruding. Well, and everyone's house customs are different. Everyone's got a whole different set of rules. I mean, there's there's generic standards, I guess. Like keep your clothes on, I guess. You yeah, know, it's kind of a thing that most people <laughs> want you to do when you're at their house, you know. But uh, some people like. Shoes off. Some don't care. You know, there's yeah. Toilet seat up. Toilet seat down. Yeah, I almost hundred percent of the time I take the van. Yeah, if it's there, you just like park it in front of someone's house that you know, and like, hey, I'm still gonna sleep here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Truck stops, WalMarts. Yeah. A lot of times you play at a nightclub, and then they say, "Oh, you know, you can just crash here." Well, all right then, there I'll just go. stay here. Yeah. Did you um? Was that was that a slow transition into that or was you just instantly like this is where I live now and I'm comfortable with it and I'm okay with it I was very comfortable with it right yeah. off the bat because I'd been doing the Subaru thing for so long okay and that was such a pain was there any mattress at all in there or was it just the Subaru I had an air mattress okay that was a little larger than the back seat of the Subaru yeah and I had one of those little battery powered pumps yes and so I'd empty all the speakers and the PA up into the driver's seat and the passenger seat at night and put the air mattress out and then fire the pump up and it would kind of expand to fill the space and then you'd dive in and pull the hatch down behind you oh my gosh 
and man in the subaru would get so hot in the mornings oh i believe it so you don't really get to sleep in yeah whereas the van was a lot better ventilated had a sure. bigger space better shade curtains i'm sure curtains yeah. yeah and and a full bed that i could lay out i'm a tall guy so yeah i remember seeing it it was pretty impressive yeah. you had a nice uh a nice setup this yeah. was before the uh the van life movement became uh, an Instagram hip thing to do. <laughs> no, that's know? true. That's Max true. is looking at these things. You bunch of fakers! Like <laughs> I was doing this, I could have just been taking pictures of myself and getting paid for that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Damn well, it. I did look at some of them and say that's totally impractical. <laughs> that's that's good for a, a weekend, but you're not going to live like that. That makes a great photo, but there's no way you can do that. Sustain yeah. it. <laughs> Uh, no, that's a that's a funny thing because when the when the tiny house thing came out and then van life came out, like it's cool to follow and see some cool photos. And oh man, man, could I ever do that? But hearing someone that's actually done it, seeing yeah, all that's fake. That's <laughs> like, not how it's actually set up. Yeah, well, they don't. They never mention how many bottles of pee you have to fill. And yeah, and when you're sleeping at Walmart or uh, in town someplace, and you just don't want to get up in, in the middle of the night and walk all the way into the store. Yeah. So, you, yeah, you just used to noticing which which bottles have large openings <laughs> and, and a good seal. It's got a it's steady really supply of empty Powerade bottles because they yeah. got the wide rim. Oh, man. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. And never buy the... Uh, the lemon lime Powerade because in the middle of the night it might look the same. Oh, you could get confused easily. Yeah, <laughs> you got to buy blue or red there, son. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. So three years into it, you well, I guess you lost a thousand the first year. So mm-hmm. at the third year, you were even Steven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the most part, and then from there it was. And from there, I kind of just. I, I had a good feel for the business. I stopped keeping perfect records of everything. Yeah. And uh and just kinda kept going and found that I was making money. That's good. And was able to able to fund a few few albums and, and the recording and production of them. Yeah. Which I still listen to, yeah. by the way. Oh yeah? Oh man. Uh um, um I forget the name of the song, but it's the uh it's probably called Flea. Oh, another Flea. Another Flea. That's right. Yeah, that was the one. Uh, that was the one I made that right when I got back from China. Okay. I had a little string of songs. Was that part of the China budget? Stealing. You came back and like, hey, I'm going to buy a van, I'm going to buy an amp, and I'm going to make an album. Yeah, partially. That was also after I got the van and was was back on the road. I wintered in Lincoln, Nebraska, with Vern. Okay. Uh, he had connected me with this great gig in Lincoln, which I'd played in Lincoln a few times before, but never at uh, the Wilderness Ridge Golf Course, which was a better-paying gig, fine dining restaurant, mm-hmm. and uh, and he got a regular thing there. And part of it, they gave him a good deal on a a little apartment next to their golf course. Sweet. So we spent the winter there together, just playing Wilderness Ridge and and touring regionally in the eastern nebraska area and uh i set up the spare bedroom as a little studio okay and started making another flea there 
and then after that moved back to Spearfish to the hotel and finished the album there. Cool. Um, is that your favorite? Uh, that's the one I think that I, I got to do the most creative stuff in the studio. Okay. I got to do, do a lot of fun overdubs, included some guest yeah. musicians. Jason Guthmiller played guitar on a few tracks. Yeah. Did a great job. Joel Adams, another Spearfish oh, yeah. musician, played tuba on a couple things. He's a cool dude, too. And that was so fun. I'd, I'd never really messed with mixing a tuba before. Was it was it a whole different ball game? Uh, yeah, you know it's not it's not like a bass guitar, but I had him doing the job of a bass guitar. Okay, and he's he's real clever and creative with the way he plays. I've never heard anybody play tuba like he does, and he he rose to the occasion. That's sweet. And made this punk rock tune kind of sound like a march with the tuba <laughs> holding down the low end. That's sweet. That's really cool. Yeah, on Tim McGraw's goatee. That's where the oh the yeah. tuba really drives that's that right. one. That's right. the the way you uh, the way you put songs together. Like, I would never think of put, naming a song Tim McGraw's goatee. <laughs> it's a little bit. I don't know what the word is for it, but it's. Uh, does they just pop in your head? I guess that's a better way to maybe. Well, that one I wrote. I wrote that one without music sort of as a poem and a and a bit of a spoken word thing when I was pissed off at Nashville right as I took the job with the country band in Iowa. Oh, okay. And so I had that just sitting there in my notebook for a long time. Then and then became, I came up with a guitar lick that yeah. that kind of fit it. This Yeah. And uh and then when it came time to make a record I was like, I wanna put that in there somewhere. And it's it's an outlier from the rest of the album and that sounds completely different yeah but for some reason I thought it was best to put that one first so a lot of people that see my live show or have heard other recordings pop that record in and they're immediately turned off because it's so <laughs> starkly different from what they expected this is not what I just saw yeah <laughs> uh, how long were you in Nashville? Uh, about a year okay did you move down there to to try to like play music and songwriter, or were you just like... uh, well before that? No, I moved there as an engineer. I okay. was working in studios and and nightclubs as a sound guy. Gotcha. Okay. Because I had just gotten out of audio engineering school in Phoenix. Okay. And so I moved out there to finish up my internship and and try my hand in studios. Yeah. And rapidly realized that I don't enjoy being in a studio all day. Yeah. I much prefer the live thing. Is it just and, just. Uh, is it just the repetition or just being inside? There's probably not much for like outside lighting and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You're in a little you're that. in a little dark window with no rooms or with no Ugh. windows, and and you just sit there and and smell somebody else's farts all day. Ugh, man. And uh, and it can be. I, I think the guys that do that are real perfectionists, and they want to get things just right. The studio engineers are real craftsmen. Hmm. Whereas the the live sound thing it's man it's war yeah you've got to make this show happen at seven o'clock yeah and so uh you you, a lot of pressure is put on the the engineers and all the people working on it to to just make it work and so sometimes you run into things oh cables need fixing this this speaker needs replacing or uh so you've got to you've got to put it together set it all up 
And you preferred that. Make it happen. I, I love it. I get a thrill out of it. I get an adrenaline rush. Just the challenge of getting it, to, making it all yeah. go smooth and, and trying time. to trying to troubleshoot a big PA system when when time is ticking. Oh man, that's quite a thrill for me. That's interesting. I was I always struck you always struck me as just kind of a laid back. Yeah, well, it'll all work out type of guy. <laughs> but but you're when it comes to that, I guess you're not. You're just. But you kind of have to keep that keep that attitude because you, you? you don't want to freak out everybody if the sound guy's running around with like a chicken with his head chopped <laughs> off it freaks out everybody Everybody's, nothing's oh, happening gosh, it's gonna it's gonna fail oh so man so you try to keep cool try to keep the band cool make sure that they know that their instruments are great everything's gonna work out yeah even though sometimes right up till showtime you don't have any signal from from the keyboard and you can't figure out why <sighs> and then you yeah, you always find it though. It's, I mean, it's a yeah. I guess you do. It's a machine, and and it's it's always there's only fixable. so many components it can be. You know? There's always a workaround. There's always a way to make it work. Yeah. I always find it funny when you because there's been a few shows I've done where you sound check a couple hours before, you get everyone dialed in right, and you go up to play and they can't get your guitar on, and you're like, how? <laughs> like nothing changed. I don't understand something changed. How that <laughs> happens? And um, it, it happened. Uh, this girl opened for us. We were up in North Dakota a couple weeks ago, and um, sound check went great. She sound checked about thirty minutes before the show, and um, she got up to play, and her guitar was off, and the sound guy couldn't get it on, and he just didn't tell her. So she played. <laughs> Three songs. Was he embarrassed? I don't know if he was embarrassed so he or he, if he didn't want to get in front of the crowd own... and say, "Hey, we we need to change a battery or something." You know, like we need to figure this out. He just let her play. So she's beautiful voice. She's belting out, um, singing great, and you can't hear a guitar. Oh. So you've got <laughs> yeah, and it's at this theater. So there's a bunch of you know a bunch of people there, and uh, it was. It was shocking to me. I was like, you think you'd... Like, whoa, whoa. Take two minutes, figure it out, you know? Because you can take two minutes versus three songs in, everyone's looking around, and it's just really awkward because all you can hear is this acapella singing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but... Um, she didn't notice, apparently? No, she had no clue. Well, I can't say she had no clue. She, um... She might have known, but been too embarrassed to say anything as well you know what I mean mm-hmm. when you're up on stage and you're not hearing anything maybe you just um, get it and go but um, but anyway um, yeah and you I'm trying to think of when I first met you like really got to know you I think I was living up on 7th Street. We had that garage party. That mm-hmm. was when Phil and Trudy were in town, too. Yeah, yeah. We went up there after after a Flanagan's night, I think. Yeah, that's right. And kicked it till late. Pretty late. Yeah, I slept on the floor that night. Yeah, we had a... I think I had one guitar, and we just passed it around. Yeah. And, uh... That's right. You had that nice garage. That was a big garage. That was awesome. That was like a... Yeah. A party garage. There were a lot of things that happened in that garage. It was ideal. It was okay. I had couches and recliners in there. It was it was definitely not used as a garage. It was an outdoor patio. Yeah. But 
Well, that was cool. That's right. Yeah, that was Phil and Trudy Edgley's first first tour of That's the right. U.S. Yeah. That's right. God, they're cool people. Really like them. You guys still keep in touch, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, a bit. Yeah, my life got real hectic after their last tour here. Yeah. And I uh, haven't been haven't been keeping in touch as much as I'd like. Yeah. But they're, they're boy, they're doing great. That's good. Everything I see of them in Australia, they're playing bigger and bigger gigs and That's cool. And their their live recordings just sound fantastic. That's cool. They've really hit a stride, I think. Good for them. Good for them. If you're listening, Phil and Trudy, at some point in the future. Yeah. We're proud of you. <laughs> yeah, and all, all you kids hearing those names for the first time, check out Phil and Trudy Edgley. Yeah. You'll be glad you did. You will be. Um, yeah, that was a good night. I remember that night. That was a lot of fun. Had a bunch of people around and just hanging out. And um, and that was... Uh, I had just started playing music. And we had had a conversation about how do you do this. Mm-hmm. And that was... I'll never, so that actually changed. I remember that, yeah. Changed the playing, course of my musical career. You were doing the Flanagan's open mic. I was doing that, and I was trying to book a few places, and I always felt awkward asking for money. It was just the hardest thing for me was, you know, doing that. And I, I'll never forget that conversation we had. And you told me, you said, it's Heath, it's really simple. You say, hey, I usually ask for X, and you name them a price you'd like, you know, and. And then say, but at the end of the night, I'll take whatever's fair. And uh, and it totally works. Like, it absolutely works. Mm-hmm. I've, I've used that since day I, one. I, I still like, hey, use that formula, too. Yeah. And, um, and like nine times out of ten, the owner has already wrote the check and is gone. So the bartender just hands you the check, you know? And mm-hmm. no matter if the crowd's low or not. and um, Absolutely, yeah. At the end of the day, you're a business partner. You're not trying to take all their money and, right. and run away. You want to do what's fair and if you if you can add money to their cash register, yeah. then you're entitled to some of that. Yep, absolutely. Um, but that was that was a game changer for me was just looking at it at that aspect as uh, you know, I've got something to offer here. You know, I've uh, spent some time getting good enough to do this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely of definitely of value and putting a, a value on like how much do I want to get if I'm going to go play a gig somewhere and that and and that was that was Max Hay Economics 101 <laughs> and that that was a game changer but I still get uh, still get a little nervous when it comes to weddings when people ask me to play weddings because they yeah. always say you should like triple it basically but the, the other theory I heard this from Quincy Jones I think in his autobiography he said, "You just say the highest number you can think of without stuttering." Ah, <laughs> just 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 go out there with all the confidence. Say, "Hey, seven hundred dollars or whatever the case may yeah. be." You know, yeah. And if eight hundred makes your voice crack, then Don't that's too it. high. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say it. <laughs> it doesn't sound confident. <laughs> yeah, then they look at you. Look at you, funny. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I think Quincy said he was asked to do uh, I think it was the soundtrack for uh, The Color Purple and Spielberg asked him how much to do a a score for a movie and he'd never done a big score for a big movie before and he had no idea what to charge so Mm -hmm. he just $400,000 and Spielberg said okay, done 
and he thought, oh, did I just leave money on the table? Yeah, but, right. But he also knew if he said 500, his, he wouldn't have had any confidence. Yeah. And so he just said the, yeah, the biggest number he could think of Oof. without stuttering, and he got it. Jeez, and man. And then he knew from that day forward, that's what he's worth. You ratchet up. That's a good way to figure it out. It's <laughs> a good way to figure it out. Yeah, I've, uh, it's funny, man, like when you're playing and playing out, because you're playing different places, and you know, I mean, you can kind of gauge what places have a, have a larger budget for music and entertainment, like the places that are built for that, you know, versus mm-hmm. the, you know, the dive bars that, you know, every now and then they'll bring in someone to play, you know, for fun. So you can kind of gauge that and adjust accordingly and weekend rates or weekday rates. And so did you do any of that yeah, yeah. when you were touring or? Um, a bit. My, my price is stuck at $300 since about 2009 when, I, when I kind of figured out what, what I needed to survive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, but then some places are just making so much more money that they're happy to share more. Yeah. You know, I don't do very many ticketed events where mm-hmm. you're working for the door or for, uh, for ticket sales. Right. I'm almost always working for a share of the cash register. Okay. And uh, and so I just like to do a flat rate. Yeah. I know what I'm getting. And if you it's make more, great. Good for, for you. Yeah. yeah. It's easy to plan for. And, um, I mean, I've talked to... I've heard of places that will... Uh, hey, this is what we're going to pay you. And it's decent. You go, okay. You know, and then you're playing and you get tipped... And then they count your tips and cut that out of what they were going to pay you. <laughs> oh, so you walk cheesy. away with exactly that's what they said you would. Such and it's a cheesy like, move. Wow. Um, I don't play those places. Just no, like, yeah, no. That's not, that's not a free market. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah or some places do the thing where they pay you per person in the band. Which I think that's cheesy too. Because you could have a seven piece band that just is terrible. Yeah. And they'll pay you 70 bucks per person. And then if you have one person that's fantastic, they'll still just pay you 70 bucks. Oof. No. It doesn't so work I, either. I don't play those places either. Yeah. There's, there's a few places that are, that offer that deal. Yeah. And I think that's lame. Or, the, or I just get a hobo to kick a tambourine around on the ground and say, there, double my money. <laughs> Give <laughs> Give him a twenty at the end. Thanks, yeah. buddy. <laughs> yeah, just don't stop kicking this. Um, the uh, the Rose and Crown Pub in Omaha that you mm-hmm. turned me on to a few That's years a ago. I played there. Out. They do it um, like the first time a musician goes there, they get a certain amount, and then if it goes well, they get another amount. And then you, they can work up to, I think it was like almost fifteen percent of the till or something like that. If they're yeah. if they continue to build. And that, which is a different way of doing it. Yeah, and that's fair. If the bartenders are are working, there's another place in Montana called the the Murray that does ten percent of the till. But I've been there before playing, and it's been packed, and everybody's standing there with their money out, and the bartenders outside having a smoke. Ugh. And I'm sitting on the stage thinking that money is yeah. just sitting there. These people aren't. They're going to leave. Yeah. And so you're doing the work, the money's there, but the bartenders aren't yeah, that's up to tough. snuff. Yeah. So I don't play that place anymore either. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a balance to it and it can it can be a monster, you know, trying to figure all that out. And especially I mean, I've never been well for three years I did just music, but I bartended a couple nights a week at Flanagan's. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was only playing music and those are my own only jobs. 
but I've never been the I'm only going to play music so I've always had something to kind of get me over those humps when I've had bad nights or yeah. low paying gigs and stuff well you've got a high overhead too you're a father of at least yeah. two got a it's a it's expensive so was it, a couple years ago they did a study and they said getting a kid from birth to 18 is averages about a million dollars wow like that's insane that makes me real happy with my life decisions. <laughs> Max Hay. <laughs> Millionaire. <laughs> yeah, I, I should be. Where's my Where's my Ferrari? <laughs> oh, I guess, uh, yeah, it's pr- they probably didn't go for it because you would think about, well, if you don't have a kid, you're going to spend it on something else anyway. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's, it is what it is. But did you, uh, did you ever see yourself as, like when you were younger and everything, that is... This would be something you'd be doing like, no, with your life? No, not not at all. Never at all, huh? No, that came that came after. So it kind of just I fell was, in. You fell into it and yeah. said, "Hey, I can do this." And yeah, I had a. I used to always think that my career could ratchet up as long as I had a fallback. I started working in restaurants in high school. Uh huh. Worked in restaurants for quite a while. I think up until two thousand eight, I still had some sort of restaurant presence. Uh, being a dishwasher, prep cook, or line sure. cook, or something, mm-hmm. and then uh, got into the sign business, which is what my dad was doing most of my childhood. And S- then signs, I, uh, making signs, yeah, okay. sign painting, graphic oh, gotcha. design, yeah, yeah. and uh, and outdoor advertising. And then when I started doing that, then I thought, well, I've still got restaurant business as a fallback. Yeah, if this sign business. Uh, doesn't go away. Yeah. And then I got into the music business doing the audio engineering. Had a great time. I was thought, okay, if that goes south, I can always go back to the sign business. And you if that goes south, in. I can always go back to the restaurant business. <laughs> yeah. And then pretty soon I was I started my own sign shop in in Charles City, Iowa that while I was touring with the country band. Okay. In my off time I started yeah. trying to sell some signs as a as a kind of a pickup gig. And then I started thinking, you know, this is I'd rather just do graphic design instead of making the signs. So I started doing that. And then I noticed while I was waiting for the computer to upload things, I started playing the guitar and thought, well, I think I'd rather just do this. And I always fall back on the sign business. <laughs> and that's kind of where I'm at now. Nothing's fallen through yet, yeah. has it? Well, I don't know. It's uh, future's unwritten. Yeah. I mean, for some people, but I mean, certain people, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like yours is okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can now. Now it's like now I'm living in Seattle. You know, it's the it's playing at a little bigger tables. Yeah, touring the Midwest is kind of like the the nickel slots. Of the What's music the biggest industry. change you've seen just being up there from being around here? Like, just the thing that stands out the most to you is this is this is very different. Oh, the the competition. Yeah, the competition in the Midwest are hobbyists. And so, if you roll mm. up into into a little town of five thousand people as a as a professional full timer, you know you come in with a, yeah. a professional looking show and a and a, true. a nice a nicely structured concert, and, and you've got some some confidence on the stage. Then you're boy, you're 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 amazing. Yeah. But then you go to the cities and the and there's just a lot more people that are trying to do it. They're all in. I mean, there's yeah. there's people in Seattle that have sold their house and now they're playing open mics and trying to trying to claw their way up 
Oh, you're you kidding know, everybody's, me. Everybody's vying for a, for a distribution deal or a record deal. And so it, there's a lot of people sinking money into it. There's one guy that just got a, just got a decent record deal since I've been out there. And he's a doctor. What? He can fund this stuff really well. And he's a fantastic writer, fantastic musician. Mm-hmm. And, and he's, he's worked his butt off and made, made a name for himself in music. And he just got a record deal. And so some of us are thinking, wow, the doctor got a record deal. <laughs> <laughs> I've always thought I could make more money as a doctor. Do you think it's, uh, uh, <laughs> do you think a lot of it is funding or is it just, or you think a lot of it is still relies on talent? Uh, the funding buys you the flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. I get, and it buys you time. Which is, which is a lot of the big, I mean, in my, in my understanding of it, like the time is, is what's valuable is if you're not the one on stage the night someone's there yeah you, you miss it and and I don't think talent has much to do with it at all I think really? it's got uh, more to do with being at the right place at the right time and I mean there's people far more talented than I'll ever be that that don't play out much that don't uh, don't have any desire to be yeah to be a to be a professional musician hmm and then there's people that have far less talent than than you or I or anybody that we run with that are pop stars. Yeah, that's true, I guess. I wonder when when or if that will ever change back to hey, you uh you've got it. Here you go versus <laughs> hey, I know you. Yeah, I don't here know, you go. I don't know if it's ever been that way. It's uh, too bad. It's uh, disheartening, but but I think I still think that where there's intention, you know, if you want to do it, yeah, you can do it. That's yeah, the, it's it's that is something I have figured out because when I first started playing, um, I mean, it was nerve wracking, and you know, I was nervous and scared, and you know, you'd meet you'd meet certain people that everyone you everyone else I met that was a musician at that time, I just kind of assumed they're all amazing, you know, and they're all doing it, and you know successful and i'm just this peon in the corner you know um but then you slowly just start it is kind of a like a gradual work up to if you want to do it you can you can definitely do it yeah i mean you're not gonna be on the top 40 playlist at any time soon but that's there's so many different levels of success as a musician that people forget about you know and that was kind of a I don't know, like a weight off the shoulder type of thing when I figured that out. It was, hey, you don't have to... I mean, you could be... Like, I would consider the stuff I've been doing in the last five or six years pretty successful. Like, I've been mm-hmm. a, su- a successful musician as part of my life story, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, You're doing something that two years ago seemed impossible. Yeah, and it's 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 not more than what I can do, um, but it's definitely a step up from what I was a few years ago, you know? So, yeah. I don't know, and it's it's looking and seeing those different levels of success and recognizing that all of them are viable and career making, you know, so or sustaining, self sustaining, mm-hmm. where you're you're not rocking hot dogs and potatoes on national forest <laughs> land, you know, yeah. the rest of your life. And, and at that time, I enjoyed that. Yeah, the job description was still desirable. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. That's good. Did you... Uh, so, traveling around, because I know you spent some time in Florida, um, mm-hmm. 
and you've uh i know that you've had a few gigs like the gigs that you enjoyed are the ones like you did a three night stint at uh, patty o'neill's and rapid a few years back yeah a and you loved times. it because they that give was you a hotel the gig. room that was the gig it was three nights yeah yeah three nights there and they give you a hotel room and you're like oh that's always nice when you're you know, not yeah. sleeping in the van, and it's not someone's house. You get a whole hotel room, and yeah, my uh, yeah, proper shower. <clears throat> my drunk ass shows up and crashes your room for one of those nights. But uh, yeah, I found those fun. photos, by the way, the other day. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> us in the hotel room, like after yeah. that gig. Oh was, yeah, we slept together that night. We did. We we were we were cuddling pretty good. Yeah. I think at one point, but yeah, I got I got beat down. At that place. Oh, that's it, right. Was it the next night? Or maybe it was the next time I went through there. I think it was the next time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. It was in the elevator, right? Yeah, it was in the elevator. I went to... There was these guys doing uh, the, some old high school buddies that get together once a year to do the fantasy football draft. And they were at the show. Yeah. And, and we started hanging out and, and doing shots. And they said, hey, come up to the to the presidential suite. We've got... We've got a bunch of food, and, and we're just going to be hanging out late. It's like, hey, cool. This is like the yeah. the Teddy Roosevelt room. Yeah, that's you sweet, don't, You don't get to see that very often. Right. At the, what is it, the Alex? The Alex Johnson. The Alex Johnson yeah. Hotel in Rapid City, yeah. So we went up there and started partying and just hanging out. And then pretty soon, some friends of theirs showed up, and then word got out, and then a whole bunch of people showed up. And I remember when this big group came in, one of the guys that, had the room said just so you know i don't vouch for any of these people that <laughs> just came in the room i don't know who they are or where they came and it was oh, like wow. a bunch of a bunch of young kids like you know 18 to 22 or so and they came in with their 30 pack of hams beer and <laughs> and they just started partying like crazy and we went outside to have a cigarette and you know you go and get in the elevator mm-hmm. go downstairs and this one guy introduced himself to me and I put my hand out to shake his hand, and he just started clocking me in the face. What the heck? And then his buddies jumped on me, and I fell out of the elevator like a scarecrow onto the ground. Oh, my gosh. Just getting kicked, and they were stomping on my legs and stuff. So I had to pay, play the next night. Hey, and then they disappeared off into the night. No no record of it ever happening. Then the ele- other elevator opens up, and it's all my buddies from the bar, and they just see me laying on the ground bleeding. Oh my goodness! Like, oh, geez, what happened to you, Max? I was like, I don't know, man. Those guys were dicks. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> Good night. And That's the, crazy. So the next night, yeah, I no could, explanation. No, no explanation. They just started swinging and ran. Just, yeah, I think it was. Nice. Let's let's beat up the old guy. <sighs> and uh, so the next night, I had to play the whole four hour show standing on one leg. Oof! Because I couldn't put any weight on one foot. And you did it. Yeah, I spent the day hopping around the hotel room, hoping it would get better. Oh, my goodness, man. Yeah, to play the next night on one leg. That's dedication. Yeah, it was, that was rough. <laughs> Rapid City. It's, yeah, it has its highs and lows. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I always have a good time in Rapid yeah, City. There's there's moments. Um. So, did you eventually end up like getting in a uh, like just a a group of musicians that you met and knew while you're out on the road in different places like people that you would regularly see and that would play because like when you would come here like Guth would play with you every now and then and 
Did you have that in different stops and locations as well? Yeah, yeah. Well, Guth, I met him because uh, one of the bass players for that country band, uh, Matt Berry, was from Spearfish. Yeah. And when I told oh, him I was, was in, in Spearfish, band. he said, uh, you got to hook up with my buddy Guth. Yeah. And so Guth and I met at Flanagan's Bar and we're fast friends. Yeah. And uh, and we started playing together. That's cool. Yeah, Matt's Matt's doing great. He's off in Nashville now playing playing all kinds of cool stuff. He's, oh, he's a great, he's great guitarist. Great guy, too. Yeah. Great guy. I went to one of his uh, guitar clinics when he was up here. Oh, cool. It was it was awesome. Like I, was, I had just started learning how to do lead, you know, in licks and stuff, and... I'm always, of course, I was I was learning from Guth, so I'm always trying to go, like as fast as I can, you know, because I'm <laughs> I'm trying to, like this is what it has to sound like, <laughs> and and, uh, and not that Guth was saying this is what it has to sound like, but in my head I was like, ah, oh, this is what I want to get to, and we were at that clinic, and he he said it's okay to stop and just slow it down and let that part breathe, and then pick it up somewhere else, you know. It's like, and that was that was game changing for me. It was. I was like, oh, I don't have to always keep going. Like, I can stop. Oh, that's great advice. But, I, yeah. I'm envious that you got to play for Matt and and soak up a little bit of wisdom. Yeah, it was cool. It was really cool, yeah. man. He's a he's a cool. He knows what he's talking about too. Like, it was impressive. Yeah, he's really he's one of my favorite guitar players. Um. So when you're out on the road, do you just like you've got to be just. Uh, a library of just stories of crazy things that you've seen and that have happened. And I've got to, I've got to ask you to share a few because I'd, I'd be, uh, missing. I feel like I'd be missing out on, I suppose it's hard, it's hard to think of them off the bat. You know, when they're happening, you don't notice that it's anything special. Yeah, I guess that's true. And then later on you think back, wow, that was actually a really strange evening. Let's see. Uh, I got I got to play a dying party one time. A what? A dying party. This dying. guy, this guy Brad Hoover, who was a, a really well known fishing guide on the Missouri River okay. out in Montana. He'd been guiding fishing trips for hundreds of years, and he uh, found out he had ALS, and you know his days are numbered. Yeah. And he was at one of the shows. I used to play the Caddis Festival and the Fourth of July party in Craig, Montana. And and Brad was uh, in a wheelchair at the time and and asked me if I would play a party at his cabin. And I slowly figured out, oh, he's got ALS and he's he's going to go soon. Jeez. And uh, man, this guy, he started building the cabin all by himself. Mm-hmm. And then as his body started to started to go, he had to hire help to. Sure. To do some of the jobs, and then pretty soon he's in the wheelchair. And he, he, uh, yeah, we did this party up at his house, and it was it was real strange. I was on the porch playing the guitar. He was on the porch next to me in his chair with his nurse, and he's trying to light his cigarette, and he's falling, and he had a candle to light his cigarettes, and he kept like he couldn't hold his head up, yeah. so he'd burn his eyebrows and his beard, and the nurse would have to lift his head up out of the Jeez. flame. Yeah, and uh, it was just—it was a string of people coming up to shake his hand and say goodbye for about three hours. Wow! We had a campfire, hot dogs, hamburgers, horseshoes, and and volleyball. Kids running around. It was 
everything about it was just a regular barbecue. Yeah. Except for the fact that everybody was coming to say goodbye to Brad, and they all knew it was the last time they were going to see him. Wow. And uh, yeah, it was. It was. And you were uh, just playing music in the. It corner. was heavy. Yeah, yeah. I ended up playing songs, kind of just playing for Brad. I tried to yeah, play right. play songs that that sort of made light of death or made light of the. Yeah. The heavy situations in Have life. Have fun with it a little bit. And uh, and yeah. I saw him chuckle a few times at that. You know, he he. You couldn't understand most of what he said, but his nurse knew him well enough; she could kind of sure. translate things yeah. he said. And wow, it, man! It, and that's got to be. I mean. An honor, like yeah, it was it was real special. It was real special to huh. play for a for a, a just a legendary fishing guide like that in, in Montana. Those guys are like, you know, they they might as well be the president. Sure, the, the fishing guides that just know the area so well. Yeah, that they're really highly respected. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, at the end of the night, he he told me this story with kind of just broken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I, I won't use his voice because that seems like a, I don't do a very good impression of somebody with ALS, and that's also not funny, right? To make fun of uh, someone's voice with ALS. <laughs> All right, it's kind of funny, but uh, but he said he said he wanted he had a a goal in mind. He wanted to have his his wood burning stove put in by a certain date, and these guys that he had hired to help him came up they had all the parts ready to go and they said no we don't we don't have the the right tools we don't have the ladder we don't have the right saw to put in the to put in the thing so it's going to have to be later this week and it was friday night and he said well no come in tomorrow no it was thursday night and they said we might not get it in by the weekend we'll be here tomorrow we'll try to get the ladder and he he was just having none of it you guys are making excuses yeah Put in the stove. That's what I really want. I want to have a fire yeah. in my house, stay warm. And uh, they told him no, and he wasn't having any of it. So he went and got his shotgun and sat in his wheelchair and with a box of shells and just fired at the same spot in the ceiling until he made a hole. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. This guy with with ALS, yeah. like severe, yeah. highly advanced. And so and then he pieced together the chimney on his lap the metal chimney put put all the pieces together and stacked it up fed it through the hole and when those guys showed up in the morning he had a fire going oh my gosh and he told him just go home you're done i'll get i'll handle the rest myself they had to feel so small like holy cow (laughs) what a cool guy yeah the wheelchair bound (laughs) guy just did the job that you said was just shooting holes in the ceiling <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, he's a badass. Oh, that's so cool. Oh man, that's funny, dude. Yeah, and I, st- I still keep in touch with the the lady who was his nurse, mm-hmm. Val. She lives out near Seattle. Okay. And so when I play in Westport, yeah, she comes out to those shows. That's cool. Are there neighbors around that cabin at all? Is it pretty well out there? Uh, it's uh, it's up there a ways. I put some. I recorded that show too, and some of the tracks on live music is best were recorded oh, okay. there. Nice. Um, yeah, I was wondering if like his neighbors are just sitting there and they're just hearing shotgun shells. Oh no! In that in that neighborhood, yeah, they that's normal. 
That's a, that's a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He called. He repeated called it the shotgun hideaway over and over and over. Oh, coming from inside the house too. <laughs> that's amazing. God, that's cool. That's that's a that's a cool story, dude. Like it's, I don't know. I can see like my I kind of reminds me of my grandpa was stubborn like that. Um, he died pretty young though. He 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 got cancer pretty bad in his late fifties. But uh, uh, yeah, he was honorary as all get out though. Like you'd tell him no and stuff like that, and he'd <laughs> do it myself. Yes, my grandma would whenever he'd be working on something in the house. We'd stop in to visit when we were little, and my mom would go, Well, how's Dad doing? She goes, Oh, he's he's working on the sink with his three friends. <laughs> we all look, because there's no one else there with him. And we go, What? And he goes, Oh, you know, his three friends. Damn shit in hell. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's talking to them all day. <laughs> all day long. That's funny. But, uh, nah, that's cool. Yeah, so do you, do you, do you prefer having a house, a place to rent? Now, like, do you feel? Yeah, at this like point, that I like having a living room. Touring van stages behind you now, and yeah, I I made a goal a couple of years ago when I got my apartment in Helena the first time that I wanted to tour half time instead of full time. Okay, instead of being on the road three sixty five, I wanted to be on the road one hundred and fifty days a year. So. Yeah, and uh, and that was easier than I thought because around Montana, I've actually got a lot of gigs. Sure. So I can I could base myself out of Helena and you know go play yeah. go play various places and still sleep at home, which Absolutely. was a luxury to me. And uh, and then I kept kind of weaning off of it, and now I think I've got a a different approach where I do short, intense tours. Like right now, short for me is a month. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm on the road for a month, about thirty days, and I've got about sixteen twenty gigs okay. in there, which is. Which is plenty for me. Yeah. I see some people out there doing, you know, 30 gigs in 30 days. Oof. And that's not very desirable to me. I still like to enjoy my days off once in a while. And, yeah, absolutely. And relax, visit people. So I still take the approach where I tour around people that I want to see, places that I like to go. Yeah. That's cool, and, man. Uh, so I still enjoy the job description of touring. But yeah, I also just really like being home. I bet. I, uh... I haven't ever done like a tour tour. I guess I've I've done places like two or three nights in a row or someplace in that. But uh, um, the older I get, and I'm only 34 years old, so I keep saying the older I get. But I've I don't know, maybe just because I have kids, <laughs> so I feel older, you know. But uh, I don't know. There's something about coming back home and just oh, I'm home. Yeah, <sighs> really. You know? And uh, it's kind of nice. And I like I like that home is here. Uh, Spurfish is a pretty cool cool town. Um, yeah, it's a great community here. You you regularly come back here too, which I, I mean is not because um, there's nothing tying you here other than you met people here, right? Yeah, and you stayed here for a little bit, but there's nothing like there's not family. There's not hey, I used to live here. There's none of that. You just yeah, I come for the people. You just I like come us to see you that and Gus and and. <laughs> And Flanagan and all the all the people that I've that yeah. I've met around here. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, it's it's nice to to pull into town and and know that wherever you go, you're going to see somebody you know. Yeah. And the there's gigs around here too. Crow Peak, 
was the reason I stopped here in the first place, Crow Peak Brewing Company. Yeah. And they've been a steady gig for me yeah, ever been, since. I'm really thankful for that. Um, and uh, I sat down with Jeff here on the podcast a couple, oh, really? a couple months ago. Yeah, it was a good time. Oh, I Got bet. the story of Crow Peak and how they he's all came a, He's about a deep well. He's a, he's a magician, man. He makes good beer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was, I always thought it was cool that this was one of your like regular stops and um, that it became that. Because I'm sure you travel... I'm sure you've been to a lot of towns that you've never gone back to or it's not like, oh, I'm yeah. going to make sure I hang out there for a week or so, you know, but... Yeah, some of them you do. I find it takes about a week to get to know a place and usually takes coming back two or three times before you find the gig that suits you. Yeah. I'm so sure. there's Yeah, I've definitely got stops that I make. I always mm-hmm. like to stop in Fargo when I can. All over Montana, I, I enjoy those places because I've got history there. Sure. But uh, yeah, Fargo, Minneapolis, Charles City, Iowa, Mason City, Iowa, Des Moines, Carbondale, Illinois has turned into a place that I just can't wait to get back to all the time. Carbondale, Illinois. Yeah, Southern Illinois is just beautiful. And, uh, I've never been. Yeah, I was born in Northern Illinois. That was when I stopped just for a gig. Didn't okay. know anybody, didn't know anything about it. Yeah. And almost immediately just started making friends. That's cool. Stayed for a week. Next time I stayed for a month. That's really just cool. Sleeping at Walmart every night and and making friends. That's really awesome. It's nice when there's you can find a community like that. Yeah, Saint Augustine, Florida. I Wasn't that the, was that the place there. where you played it? Like you did an Irish show at that pub or that hotel? Uh, well, McGuire's Irish Pub. McGuire. I wintered there for like the last four years. Yeah, that's right. They do me for for three to five months straight. Of five nights a week, four hour shows every night. Shoot down there and and you could stay all winter. Winter in Florida. It was a good gig, man. They it's so rough. Give me food, give me free drinks and a place to sleep, Jeez. and and a better paycheck than I make anywhere else. Yeah. So that was my that's been my cash cow for the last few years. But yeah, and that's still going on. Nope. I uh, this is the first year I didn't do that. Okay. Gotcha. And uh, I don't I don't imagine I will again. It's sort of a Reached reached the top of where that gig could take me. It was really good for, you know, as as Malcolm Gladwell's formula: get your ten thousand hours in. Yeah, and that that helped me break that by quite a bit. So now sure. I've now I feel like I've got my chops from that. That was one of my that gig and the the gig in Shanghai playing six hour shows five nights a week, Oof. doing those those intense things. Man, you get. You just get good. You get yeah. comfortable. You can't help but get good. Some nights you look at your fingers and think, wow, I've never done that before. <laughs> what happened? And you look and, oh, they're bleeding. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> sure feels slippery on this guitar neck. <laughs> <laughs> why is that? Oh, man. Um, did you Do you see, like, when you get, like, a gig like that, is it, do you spend any, t- any time during the day like practicing, or does that become? Hey, I'm going to try this song tonight. If I if I've got something I want to bring to the stage, then I practice it. Okay. But for the most part, I think four hours with the guitar in your hands every day is plenty. Yeah. Some people might argue that it's not enough, but but yeah, it's a. I would. I learn to have a little routine. I take a nap. I wake up. Have a cup of coffee. And I like to walk on stage just as I'm finishing my cup of coffee. Really? 
and that's just I try to simulate what anybody's regular work morning would be like. So you're so when you go on to a gig, like you're just waking up. That's what I try to do. I like wow. to be at my freshest and my best. Wow. Everybody man, else I'm... is a little sleepy from getting off work and they're thinking, Oh, do I really want to go out? Do yeah. I wanna do I wanna just go home and sit? And Maybe they show they've up just had a... dinner, they're feeling a little heavy. So I think if I can bring that morning energy back then they see a refreshed maybe it translates ready yeah. to go musician up on stage. Yeah, that makes sense. I can't I can't sleep before a gig. Like I've uh I've tried. I can't sleep and it's it's hard for me to eat too. So mm-hmm. like if I have a a gig at like seven, you know, seven to ten or something like that on a Friday night, like I'm probably not eating dinner that night, you know. Mm-hmm. Or I'm grabbing some greasy gut I don't like bomb to eat before a gig afterwards. Either. Yeah. Um, but then you'll sit there and you'll have a few drinks during the thing and there's no food in your gut, so you just get <laughs> feel really good really early. Yeah, things, things get silly sometimes. <laughs> they can do that. They can do that. Um, yeah, I've never, I don't think I've ever talked to anyone that slept right before and just uh, got up and, all right, I'm clocking into work. It's a good way, <laughs> good way to look at it, I guess. But I guess if you treat it like work. Yeah, you're gonna get the quality of it. So, where where it's not a hobby, it's an actual. Yeah, you know, that was that was nice in Florida too because they had the PA system was all set up there. I could, I could leave my little Airbnb at eight forty five, walk into the bar at nine fifty five or eight fifty five, mm-hmm. and be making noise and performing by nine o'clock. Jeez, so. No one else messed with it. It was always your sets. and Yeah, I'm the only one playing for okay. that month. Yeah, that's cool. So you just kind of roll in. That's nice, man. Carry the guitar, plug it in, and start. And the, the house was always packed. Nobody's there to see me, of course. They're there because it's a famous restaurant with good food. Sure, sure. But they stay for you. Well, the... the uh, <laughs> no, actually. The, uh, <laughs> that place has uh, an average... This was... Uh, high volume restaurant so we had their their average table was about an hour an hour turnover for each table and the goal in a high volume restaurant is to shave that down yeah so i'd play for 45 minutes and then take a break and give the whole room a little bit of breathing time so we try when when you see people finishing and they're clearly not ordering another round right push them out let's try to try to create an atmosphere so we can fill that because there was always a line out the door Sure. Sometimes there's a two-hour wait to get a table. Oof. So we want to push those people through as fast as possible. Yeah. And so if I can help do that, then I'm doing my job at that restaurant. Other places like uh, like the, the wine bar or Crow Peak, we want to keep people there as long right. as possible. Yeah. But that place, you know, they've they've already spent as much money as they're going to spend. Yeah. Let's not make them hang You've out. You've heard nine songs. And drink water okay. all night. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, they listen to an album. And then yeah. move on. Get and then the hell another person. Make room for the next table. And you can just repeat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some people did that. Man. I read it like St. Patrick's Day. Me and this guy, incredible guitar player named uh, Brooks Hubbard. Just incredible musician and gentleman all around. Mm-hmm. But we would tag team St. Patrick's Day. Okay. And you play from 10 a.m. till 2 a.m. Sure. Just all day and long. And so we'd, we'd do 45 minutes each. Oh. And then show up and play a song with both of us as a yeah. duo. And then one of us go have a meal, 
lay down, go for a walk, go get some sun. Oh man! And the bar was packed from from ten till closing. Jeez, man. We did that three years, I think. We tag teamed St. Patrick's Day, the two of us. That's got to be fun. I mean, you're exhausted, I'm sure, by the end of the day. But oh yeah, it's it's got to be a blast. Yeah, or sometimes we we want to go more. Yeah, you get your second wind. Yeah, the next thing you know, it's I'm not sleeping for a while. <laughs> yeah, that gig. One time he started playing. Uh, we were, we decided for some reason to do just the last two hours. We were having so much fun. We decided to do that as a duo, and he started playing the song from the Trailer Park Boys that Bubbles sings. Uh, Baloney and titties and or liquor and horse. That's what oh was. yeah yeah liquor okay. and horse. I think I've only liquor seen that horse. show once, but yeah yeah. And uh, this lady got really offended. And mad. It's one in the morning. Yeah. You're at an Irish pub where everybody's sloshed. Yeah. And she started getting offended and started yelling at us and, what? you know, threw her drink and was trying to trying to get at us. And, you know, this place is big. They've got security guys with, like, Bluetooth in their ears yeah. that are just kind of lurking around all wearing these green jackets like they all just won the Masters. <laughs> and so we had to, Brooks had to say, security, security in the microphone and... Uh, yeah, one of the one of our me. managers came up and had to wrangle her away, and it just caused this whole thing. She left her like her son-in-law and her daughter, and and Brooks was like, "Yeah, get out of here, get out of here, go on, get." And the, then the kids started getting mad. You don't treat our mom that way. Oh my god, you don't treat our mom that way. We're like, oh, oh, she was going to attack us. We'll treat her any way we yeah. want. And uh, wow. and then we we ended up doing because it it just caused the whole room. They were everybody was drunk, and then it made everybody kind of on edge. Right. And so we ended up playing for the final song of St. Patrick's Day. We did uh, "See Skies of Blue." Red, red. <laughs> the most slow, methadone slow, wonderful Let's put world. Everyone to that sleep. you ever heard? Yeah, we just squashed the party. Oh wow, and did, man! Did a soothing, put him to sleep tune. Jeez. That's funny. And one a.m. down and counted our tips. Man, I've heard worse <laughs> things at one a.m. at an Irish pub. That uh, <laughs> she must have had to be going to church the next morning or something, and was super, super worried about it. But yeah, hmm. And you're in town now through the weekend, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got playing, a gig tonight. Playing tonight at the Spearfish Creek Wine Bar. Yeah. Tomorrow night at Crow Peak Brewing Company. Heck yeah. And then Sunday. We're going to kick it. Kick it. It's going to be like 100 degrees this weekend, so you picked, oh, a, boy. picked a gr- the best weekend to come out and and see everyone. We'll all, all be right. sweaty and smelly and... Hopefully no hail or anything's going <laughs> to I think we've... I think, everybody. Yeah, I shouldn't say it, but I think we're through it. There's been some nasty, nasty storms. Have you seen... Um, I'm sure Guth told you his story. I saw the pictures of yeah, his truck getting smashed up by the hailstorm. A lot of people's got got messed up. I've never had hail damage on any vehicle I've ever owned. Oh, really? And I've been through several hailstorms. I don't know if I'm just never hit the center of it or what, but uh, yeah, I've always gotten really lucky. Good for you. Don't know how long that'll last, but uh, well, you know, if you got the right insurance, it works out in your favor. That's true. See, it'll probably I'll probably keep my uh, streak of luck going up until the time I buy a new vehicle. Usually, then is when oh, you have a new vehicle, boom, mm-hmm. you Something's know, it's gonna happen, and uh, that's how it works. But 
Yeah, man. This is pretty laid back. It's kind of how I like to do it, though. Just like, yeah, what I would it be that. like if you sat down with a beer and Max Hay? The Heath Bar. At the Heath Bar and uh, just chatted. Comfortable chairs at the Heath Bar. You know, I do what I can. The goal is to uh, um, build one, like an actual trailer, mm. and have a have a bar in it, and I can like haul it to. Oh, you could show up stuff. someplace yeah. and have a mobile. Yep, and have like a bar yeah. with uh, you know the boom mics and stuff on it, and you're just sitting there at the bar and make it an actual like visually, yeah, enticing place to come hang out and and play. So one day, that's the goal. Oh, I love it. It'll 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 happen. I'm sure. Um, and then I can just roll into festivals and come up to Seattle and mm-hmm. we'll do Max Hay Part 2. Yeah. Yeah, you can get the press passes. <laughs> Ooh, I got to do that. park it backstage. You probably could. Lure celebs. You can just print your own press passes these oh, days. Oh, yeah, you can fake them. They're easy. I'm with, uh, I'm with the Heath Bar. Yeah. And podcasts are getting more and more... I don't know. I feel like they're getting more and more like uh, footing... Mm-hmm. You know, just the uh, the long form conversation you don't really get, you know, on any other format. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. just um, and people like it. You know, I mean, who doesn't like talking to people? Yeah. You know, I guess I can think of a few people that don't like talking, but <laughs> I enjoy it. I could talk all day long. So uh, people are cool, and they always have, they all have interesting stories. So it's it's fun. Oh yeah. It's fun, man. Sometimes you get chatting with somebody and you think, whatever gave you the idea that I was interested in what you're talking about? (laughs) Why are you talking to me? And 30 minutes later, you know their life story and all you've said is, I really got to (laughs) go. That's that's Max Hayes' way of, of, of saying all these questions you asked, Heath. I hated every single one of them. <laughs> they were the worst. Yeah, boy, I, I really got to get going, man. <laughs> yeah, I got to. I got to bail. I got to. I got a gig. I got something. On I got a gig in like five hours. I got to take my nap yeah, and get think, my coffee going. No, you gonna you can do that today. I think my dog is needs to be let out. <laughs> you brought it. You you have a dog, huh? <laughs> I forgot to mention that. Yeah, right. He's cooking in the car right now. <laughs> Time is of the essence. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Are you gonna Are you gonna take a nap today and tomorrow? Uh, I don't think I'll get one today. I, yeah, I got a had a nice nice rest at, at Jason and Lydia's house and nice. uh, slept pretty late. Yeah, so I'm just cool. gonna enjoy spearfish today. There you go, man. Yeah, it's a good day for it. Well, thanks again. Yeah. Appreciate you coming. Thank you, Heath. This was fun. This was fun. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll do it again. I'd love that. Well, that's it for this episode. Time to call it a night. If you liked what you heard and you want to find out more information about other episodes and more things going on at the Heath Bar, you can check us out on our website, heathbaronline.com. We'll see you next time.